I got anybody that's seen God do some things in your life this year? I got anybody in here that's a little further along than you thought you would be this year? That there were some things that should have took you out that the enemy tried to use to take you out. But you're still here. Turn and tell your neighbor, say, I don't know what's going on in your life. But you're still here. And that makes you a winner. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't just mean you still here in the earth. I mean you still here in church. I mean you ain't gave up on God. I mean you still praying. I mean you still expecting to see his goodness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We go pray and we go get started. But I just, you know, I'm a church girl. I grew up in church. My grandmama thought if they was having church, I ought to be there. She ain't send me either. We went. And I was telling, you know, Edwin, um, Chandra and I were talking about this in Chicago. I love church, so I can pretty much do church any way you do it except quiet. I, I don't care if your cap, clap is Baptist. I don't care if you Kojic shout. I don't care if you jump and wave because you can't do either dance. It don't matter to me. I just know that I want to go to a church where the people believe that God is more than Santa Claus and he's more than a fairy tale and he's more than Marvel and he's more than DC Comics. I'm looking for about 300 people that's utterly convinced that God is good and God is powerful and that you're still here because God is good and because God is powerful. And I'm trying to find another 300 people that's fully convinced that your best days are not behind you. And I know, I know, I know, because a lot of people don't like that. And then what they say, well, when you go to church like that, they're just trying to get you emotional at basketball games. That's why we go to the basketball game and they say, say, woo, pig, suey. Why? They're just trying to get your emotions involved in the game, right? Because they don't want you in the game texting. They said you came to the game. You ought to watch the game. Now, I read in my Bible, I don't know what y'all Bible say because you might not have the same kind of Bible I got if you ain't got the same kind of God I have. But I read in my Bible that what lives on the inside of you is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And I also read that it ought to quicken your mortal body. But before we get to New Testament, over in Old Testament, Jeremiah had got tired of the people. Sometimes the people get on your nerves. And Jeremiah had got so tired of the people, Jeremiah said, I'm just not going to talk about Jesus God no more. I ain't going to tell y'all nothing. I'm going to let you do whatever it is that you want to do. He said, I quit. Anybody ever felt like quitting? But the Bible says that that quickening, that fire began to stare on the inside of him. And it said it became to be like shut up in his bones. So if the God you serve don't never make you move, I have to wonder who you serve. Because I know charismatic Catholics. Tongue talking, praise filled, hand clapping, Catholics. So what I found is that the Holy Ghost can go anywhere. But the question is, are you willing to let him do anything in you? So we're going to take us 13 seconds. 
and we just go praise the Lord. And I don't care if you praise him Baptist, and I don't care if you praise him Kojic, and I don't care if you praise him fresh out the club, and I don't care if you dance off beat, I don't care. But if he's done anything for you, you ought to be, wait, for those of you who say, well, I can't dance, good, because the Bible said there are some ways you can praise God. See, because I got to help you. I got to help you. No, I, I want to help the people. Because people go, well, I don't praise him because I'm an introvert. That ain't what the Bible says. Ain't nowhere in here that I say it's a different praise for the introvert. In fact, the Bible says if you don't know how to praise him, he says, I'm going to tell you what you can do. You can clap your hands. You can clap your hands. He said, if you don't know how to praise him, you can stomp your feet. If you don't know how to praise him, you can lift your hands. If you don't know how to praise him, you can do a dance. If you don't know how to praise him, you can turn around. If you don't know how to praise him, you can leap up and down. If you don't know how to praise him, you can take up and run. I just gave you about five things you can do to praise him. So we about to praise him in five, four, three, two, one. Hey! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! God is good! In our next church, you're going to have way more room to run. Ah. You will have enough room to run that you gonna get halfway out there and fall out because you'll be like, wait, I didn't know it was that long. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you got vision, you can see it already. Hallelujah. So now that we praised him, greet somebody you didn't come with. Tell them how glad you are to see him. Make your way to your seat and let's get into the word today. Hallelujah. Can you play them things? Huh. Hallelujah. Glory to God. How about somebody tell them it's your winning season? It's my winning season. Hallelujah. It's my winning season. It's my winning season. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you are expecting victory in your life? Not because you're so smart, not because your plan is so great, but because your God is so good. Hallelujah. So it's, we're going to pray, and then we're going to get started. Well, let me say this first. Listen, so um, I was laughing at Pastor Edwin today when he got up. Um, and he read the prophecy for mom, because that was in my notes. And then when he taught the offering, because that was in my notes. And I was like, uh, I think you set me up, right? But it's so funny because um, yesterday we didn't say anything about church. Who go teach? Who go? I got one. Who go teach? This morning he got up. He was like, you teaching this morning, right? So I act like I didn't hear him, like when we do when we up here. And then he started prayer, and I knew that meant it was me. But how many of you know that 
I grew up, you know, it's so interesting just how I grew up being trained in the word. I grew up that you ought not preach for, you ought not study for people anyway. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm never studying to preach a message. I'm studying for my life. And then I preach to you out of what's working in my life. Because if it's working in my life, it'll work in your life because God is not a man that he should lie. So for all of you young, aspiring, wannabe preachers, here's what I tell you. You ought to be to preach anytime. Anytime. Because Pastor Edwin said, if they took the Bibles away, do you have enough word in you to live? If they took the Bible app away, do you have enough word to live? If they burn up all the Bibles, do you know enough about them that you could preach anyway? So for all of you who aspire to be preachers and are preachers, you tell them you ought to always have a word. And for those of you who just believers, you ought to always have a word. You don't know where you'll be that you need to be able to encourage somebody. Amen. So we're going to pray and we're going to give this word that's been blessing my life. Hallelujah. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we give you praise with much thanksgiving. You are a good God, without a doubt. You have proven to be faithful, Abba. You have proven to be faithful even when we are not. You have proven your love even when we're unlovable. You have proven that you are an all-consuming fire, not looking to consume and destroy us, but to restore our identity. We thank you for Jesus. Because of Jesus, we are redeemed. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. Because of the Holy Spirit, we have our own personal teacher. We thank you for the written word so that we can hear what it is that you desire to do in our lives. And we declare that we will never be the same again. Matthew 13 says that anytime we see, hear, and understand, we should be converted and healed. So I declare that today is our day of hearing and seeing and understanding so that we are converted. And we believe that we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. So, you know, pretty much Pastor Edwin started this year, and he was talking about it's a year of great victory. On a serious note, how many of you have experienced some victory this year? Hallelujah. And so praise the Lord for that. And so, you know, one of the things that we've learned throughout this year is that one of the ways that God brings us into greater victory is that he begins to deal with our identity. We learn that there are things that you think, there are things that you perceive, there are things that somebody told you, and they're simply not true. They're not what God said about you. They're what your mama said about you. They are what your teacher said about you. They are what you got from an experience with somebody, but it is not what God said about you. So what we found a lot this year is that as God is bringing us into greater victory, that the way that he is doing it is that he is restoring our identity. He is dealing with us saying, hey, I'm coming for everything that you think about you. That's not what I said about you. And, you know, and the, it's been a challenging year in a lot of ways because John 15 says any um, John 15 says that wherever you he's when he's going to make more fruit that he has to prune you. So then, you know, everybody gets excited about victory and fruit. But nobody really gets excited about pruning because nobody really wants to be pruned because pruning isn't fun, right? And the hardest part about pruning is that so much of what God is trying to separate us from, we actually think it's us. And so because we actually think it's us, we then fight him on the deliverance, right? So, for example, I used the example earlier. Oh, I'm, I can't talk to people or I can't praise because I'm an introvert. But that's not Bible. 
So you had some experiences, somebody said that about you, maybe because you didn't talk to everybody, somebody said you were shy, they said you were whatever, and so you begin to take on this personality that's not actually what God said about you. And so then you begin to live from this place that's not actually what God said about you. And the challenge with that is that when you're living from this counterfeit place, say counterfeit, when you're living from this counterfeit place, then when you begin to come and read in the Bible about the things that God desires to do in your life, it is hard for you to receive them because you're not showing up as who he said you are. You're showing up as who they said you were. And so the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. I'm going to use this illustration just because it's just a great way for people to do it. So Chris, Mish, and Tamara, can you come up here right quick? Because I think this is important. Uh, Pastor Edwin uses this. Just stand up across here. Valley uses it, and it's just a great example. And I may not do it exactly like theirs, but you'll get it. So you are a spirit, okay? You have a soul. You live in a body, okay? You are a spirit. Say, I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. When you accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, this became alive to God, and this is perfect. <laughs> Say, it's perfect. The Bible says that when you prayed that prayer of salvation, believed in your heart, that you are sealed until the day of redemption, that you are born of an incorruptible seed, this cannot be corrupted. Now, this is interesting because what people will say is my spirit was vexed. It was not. Your spirit is perfect. Your spirit is never vexed. Your soul may be vexed because of something that's going on, but your spirit... because. God ain't vexed. What do you mean God isn't vexed? God ain't mad no more. No, God ain't mad no more. So when you read in the Old Testament that God used to be vexed, that's because God still had not poured the, poured the penalty of sin on Jesus. Ever since Jesus, God ain't been mad no more. Tell your neighbor, say, God ain't mad no more. Why is this so important? God ain't mad no more. People always try to want you to think God mad about something. God is not mad. People want you to think God out to get you. Did you read the Old Testament? Did you ever see anybody that God was out to get that he didn't get? <laughs> Tell your neighbor, say, God is not out to get you. Say, God is actually helping you. Even when you're trying to hurt you. So your spirit man is perfect. Say perfect. perfect. Now, your soul, which is composed of your mind, will, emotions, intellect, and imagination. Mind, will, emotions, intellect, and imagination. That's what your soul is, right? It's how you think. It's how you feel. It's how you imagine. It's your will. It is being saved. That's why the Bible says in Romans 12 and 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what this already knows. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove what this already knows. Now, your body is basically going to do... Your body... That's really what your body want to do. It's all flesh. 
Your body want to eat what tastes good. Your body want to touch what feel good. Your body want to drink what tastes good. That's what your body want to do. Your body cannot be saved. Your body can just be crucified. And the Bible says daily. Every, every hour. On the hour. Because see the thing about your body is that your body is good at playing dead when they get strong enough. When they get strong enough, your body will be like, I'm going to use something that don't offend y'all too much. We don't like Dr. Pepper no more. We don't drink sodas. We don't even do that. Your body come on in line. We don't drink soda. The first time you drink it, it make your chest burn and your stomach hurt. And then your body go, but ooh. Right. See how flesh always want more? Just put a little cherry in it. Put a little vanilla in it. Don't drink so much this time. Ease your way back in. Your body is never going to be saved. That's why you go get a new body. That's when you leave this place, this body goes back to dust. This is important to understand because you can't save this, but you can kill it every day. You can't say that. Jesus already did it. But you can say this by participating in what the word is doing, okay? And the degree to which you say this by putting the word first is going to determine whether this runs you or not. And some of you have questioned your salvation because you're like, well, I don't understand why I can't stop doing X. You can't stop doing X because you have not put enough word in here to be able to crucify this. So when this says we not go do nothing, this said I'll just make you crave it enough until you give in. And then keep having a good time. Then flesh start having a good time. And then before you know it, and then there you go. Now, now you're so. No, really, now you're so. No, let me give you a good example. Let me give you a good example. You meet somebody. Your spirit tell you up front, that ain't it. That ain't it. But soul still got some fleshly friends. And he made you, she made you tingle. She made you tingle when you sunk. So spirit is like, this a bad move. Spirit, bad move. Flesh, ooh, but he fine. Ooh, but she fine. Then soul, depending on the level of maturity, is either going to call somebody who go agree with spirit See, because you need to know this. You call who you want to co-sign. You ain't never called me and told me you was thinking about having sex. Because you know I'm going to tell you that's wrong. So you call your other friends that say, girl, everybody got knees. Everybody need a little something. Don't be up there listening to them married folks. They getting it while you laying there. Look, just come on. Come on. Come on. Now, if you go to church every Sunday, you hear some word, and so then you scoot on back. 
But then during the week, you don't get on prayer. You don't study your Bible. You listen to Trey Song's new CD. And then your flesh over here still going. But oh, she fine. But oh, he fine. Then reason starts saying, well, everybody doing something. Ain't nobody perfect. I mean, you know what Tupac said. Only God can judge me. Your spirit man is like, tell the intercessors you need some help. Your soul like, don't tell, don't put them in our business. Don't put, we ain't telling nobody our business. We ain't telling nobody, they ain't going to be judging me. And then before you know it, you and body, soul and body linked on up, link arms. Over here, right in cahoots. Your spirit man is still saying, you are redeemed. You are restored. You are better than this. You are better than this. You are so much better than this. You are so much better than this. Your flesh is like, shut up. Your spirit, like, we don't want to be better than this. We don't want to be better than this. Don't listen to your spirit. Your spirit always trying to keep us from having fun. Can anybody relate to what I'm saying? Now, here's what happens. So now, they done done whatever they was going to do. And the moment they do it, your body cool, but here come the devil talking to you. I thought you loved Jesus. I thought you had changed. I thought you weren't going to call him no more. I thought you weren't going to spend that money. And now condemnation is on you and your body is happy about it because when you condemn, you, your body like, call him again, girl. Call him again. We'll just make it better. Spend the money again. Go to the mall again. And your spirit is still saying, but you're redeemed. The Father loves you. The Father loves you. So I stand right here because, no, you stay right here. I want you to understand that the real reason many of you cannot receive from God is because you're living here, but you call to live here. You're living here. So when Pastor Ellen prophesies, that it's a year of great victory, your soul replays all the places you've messed up. And the devil co-signs with him. Girl, now you know, you, now you know when, you, now you know daggone well when Pastor talking about people about to get a promotion, you know you ain't gonna get no promotion. You don't even go to work on time all the time. You're not that smart. Now, those words are ashes, which means you have the power to grab flesh by the hand and walk back over there. As long as you stand way over here, you will never believe how much he loves you. Because over here, you are so aware of your flaws. You are so aware of your mistakes. You're so aware. They're trying to get us saved over there. They're just trying to get us crucified. <laughs> it's daily. No, really. I love this. This is daily activity. This is daily activity. They're over there saying, don't you feel better now that you don't drink them seven Dr. Peppers a day? Don't you feel better? I mean, take your seat. You could give them a hand for that illustration. 
So when we begin to talk about taking a word of prophecy of victory or taking a word of promotion or taking a word of healing, one of the things that we taught earlier this year is that you have to stop looking at yourself. Because if you look at yourself, you're always going to find a reason to disqualify yourself. Because you know the stuff that you've done that none of us know. You know the stuff that you thought. You know the stuff that you have felt. But God is saying, I am an all-consuming fire, and I want to burn up all of that stuff. Because in reality, you don't have enough self-control to live right. No, I need y'all to confess that because y'all, I saw y'all looking. Y'all like, yes, I do. No, no, you don't. You do not have enough self-control to live right. You need the Holy Spirit to constrain you. When love begins to constrain you. So I'm going to give you an example that's going to be funny um, because I don't mind telling my own business. So anyway, one of the things is that everybody who knows me know I talk about how when I was young, I used to be a fighter. That's the kind of person I used to be, right? So I really, you know, I really pride myself on trying to be a person. Like I'm never a person anymore who says if somebody does something, I'll slap them in the face because your words have power. And then I would slap them in the face and then whatever. So anyway, the other day I got a call from Canaan's teacher. And because I'm trying to get you to understand that your self-control isn't that great. If the Holy Spirit don't keep you, you will do all kind of stuff. So as the teacher is talking to me, first of all, what he's saying to me doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. He's saying things to me like he's going to punish Canaan for something that he didn't actually see her do. Well, see, I got a problem, right? So I am trying to remember that I am supposed to be Mature, an adult, saved, right? But about seven minutes into the conversation, I was like, if I was with you, I'd mush you in your face. No, listen, because at this point, the, this thing in me that will fight is only crucified. It's not dead. It's only crucified. And my flesh was like, I bet you if you bust him in the face, I bet you he'll quit calling you about Canaan. I'm like, that sounds good to me. The Holy Spirit is like, no, don't do it. Listen, when I got off the phone, I was so mad. I was so mad. I was so mad. <laughs> I was like, if I see him in Walmart, I will kick him in the back. I don't even care. I was so mad. Why am I telling you that? Because you need to understand that everybody who is growing and becoming is still crucifying something. This is how mad I got. I said, don't talk to me again. The next time you have something to say, you need to talk to my husband. Because the next time, <laughs> now I'm going to tell you something funny. So Ellen's mama, who's not here today, she's always talked about how aggressive she got about her kids, right? I will always laugh at mother and be like, it don't really take all that. As I was on the phone, I thought, this is what she means right here. This is exactly what she means right here. If I had been in his office 
Today I be saying I want to repent to you guys. And I want you to know that what they're saying about me is true. And I apologize. <laughs> and, um, and pray my strength in the Lord. I'm telling you that because you need to understand. You don't transform your flesh. You have to kill your flesh. And you kill your flesh by pouring into your soul what God has said about you. So if you're not pouring into your soul what God has said about you, when the opportunity comes, your flesh is going to do what it's naturally designed to do. Does that make sense? So I just want to talk to you about being in this place to receive because Pastor Elwin talked about how our believing impacts our receiving. One of the reasons that I believe it impacts our receiving is because we spend so much time looking at ourselves. We manage if we think we're good enough. Well, do I deserve the promotion? Do I deserve the house? Do I deserve love? Do I deserve healing? Do I deserve those things? Let me just make it easy for you. I know that you think you're a pretty good person. You don't deserve anything that God gives you. He's just chosen you. He sh- say, I'm chosen. He has, cho- I know, see, I, I know this is working with some of you because you pride yourself. I talked about it last week. You pride yourself in being good performers. You pr- pride yourself in making A's. Growing up, you made A's. You got a star. You went to treasure box. You made an A. You got a star. You went to treasure box. Now, maybe as you grew up, treasure box wasn't that McDonald's snack that they, I mean, that thing toy they had us to bring. It was that your parents gave you X if you made A's or you got scholarships if you made A's. But what you created for yourself was a life that says, if I do right, I get rewarded. Faith is about what God has done right. It is what God has done right. Say, my faith is in what God has done right. Not what I do right. No, I really want you to sink that in. Faith is about what God did right, not what we do right. If you would settle that, you would stop disqualifying yourself from what he desires to do in your life. The Bible says that promotion doesn't come from man. It says promotion comes from God. That means that if God decides to promote you, now is not the time for you to be talking about why you're not qualified to be promoted. That is so ridiculous because God already knows what he's going to do. So I'm going to share two scriptures and then we're going to go. Let's look at Romans 4 and then Ephesians 1. Romans 4, Ephesians 1. Because this is the shift you can make and this shift will let you live free. How many of you, if you can admit it, That sometimes when we begin to talk about things that God wants to do in your life, you think about the reasons why it shouldn't happen for you. I I love that. that This section over here, y'all was first. If I had candy, y'all would get this treasure box today because you raised your hand. No, no, put your hand up and leave it up. Don't because you need to see that you're not the only person in the room who the enemy tries to use you looking at you to dictate what you deserve. You didn't deserve salvation. I didn't deserve salvation, but he gave it to us anyway. And within salvation is everything we need for life. Say, everything I need for life was secured for me on the cross. 
Now, how many of you know that you really don't deserve to go to heaven? How many of you can admit that you don't deserve to go to heaven? But how many of you are going to take entrance anyway? You're going to take it anyway, right? So you go take promotion that's eternal. So you're willing to accept what's eternal, but you can't let God bless you right now. So you're willing to accept eternity in a place that you know you don't really deserve to be in except by the work of Jesus, right? But you won't accept what he's trying to do in your life right now. Tell your neighbor, say, that don't make good sense. So you might as well take it all. So let's look at these two scriptures and then we'll get on out your way. In Romans, the fourth chapter, we have a scripture about Abraham. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And I want you to listen to it. Verse 16, it says, therefore inheriting, I'm reading out of the Amplified, therefore inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith that it may be given as an act of grace. Therefore, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith in order that it may be given as an act of grace. One of the challenges with walking by faith is that we believe that it's our faith. So we say, do you have enough faith for that? But it's not about how much faith you have. Is how much faith God has given you. Because in Romans 12 and 3, it says he has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So literally, God took the thing that makes him be able to believe in himself and gave it to us so we could believe in him. And the moment we start making our faith about how strong our faith is, we're going to come up short. And how do you know if you've done that? Because if you're believing for something, you go, well, I wonder if I believed enough. Did I fast enough? Did I study enough? Did I have enough people to come in agreement with me? Did you do what God said? If you did what God said, you exercised perfect faith. How do you exercise perfect faith? You do what God told you to do based on who God is. Does that make sense? So then let's keep going. It says, to make it stable and valid. I'm going to switch to the King James. It says, therefore it is a faith that it might be of grace, and to the end of the promise that might be sure to all the seed, not only to that which is of the law, but to that which is of the faith of Abraham. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickened the dead and called those things which be not as though they were, who hope against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered his own he considered not his own body not dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that he that promised was also able to perform. 
and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Not, now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered from our, for our offenses and raised again for our justification. You got to read this because this isn't just a chapter. You got to go into Romans 5. He says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. By our Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have peace with God because of Jesus. Peace. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. So why do you qualify for anything? Because you believe in the finished work of Jesus. Why do you qualify for healing? Because you believe in the finished work of Jesus. Why do you qualify to be freed from depression, anxiety, trauma? Because you believe in the finished work of Jesus. Why do you qualify not to live in poverty anymore? Because you believe in the finished work of Jesus. Stop looking at yourself and look at Jesus. Because no man comes to Jesus believing and doesn't receive. It is impossible to come to Jesus believing and not receive. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm just going to give you a couple stories. Jesus put his disciples on a boat. He told them we're going to the other side. Jesus went off to pray. And in the middle of the night, he starts walking on the water. As he's walking on the water, he's, Peter sees him walking on the water. Peter first thinks it's a ghost. But then Peter says, if it's you, bid me to, if this is you, Jesus, bid me to come. Jesus said, come on. He, it's definitely me. I can't deny myself. He says, if it be you, bid me to come. Jesus said, come on out here then. The Bible says that Peter actually walked on the water. Until he took his eyes. Now y'all helping me preaching here today. See, the reason you can't shift your money is because you ain't looking at God. You're looking at your money. The reason you can't shift your body is because you're looking at the pain. You're not looking at God. But as long as you look at God, you will do things that don't make sense. Yesterday, the Lord said this to me as I was driving. He said, Sean, I'm doing some things that don't make sense, but they make God. You'll catch that when you drive it. He says, I'm about to do some things that mathematically they don't add up. I'm about to give some promotions. I'm about to give some healings. I'm about to resurrect some stuff that look dead. And it won't make sense, but it will make God. Anybody in here need God to do something to you that don't make sense, but it sure make God. Anybody tired of living by sense? What does that mean? You live by your sense realm knowledge. You live by how you feel. You live by what you think. You live by what you see. You live by what you say. But those that see God and do great exploits just keep looking at God. Do you realize that Peter could have walked all the way across that lake with Jesus if he'd have just kept looking at Jesus? But what I he started looking at his circumstances and he said. This don't make sense. 
I'm not supposed to be able to walk on water. You see this wind? You see these waves? Men don't walk on water. And then he started to sink. But as soon as he started to sink, Jesus grabbed them by the hand. And then Jesus didn't fuss at him for sinking. He just said, why'd you doubt? Because you was already doing the thing they said you couldn't do before you realized it. It was doubt that made you sink. It was your doubt that made you sink. Why? Where does doubt come? Because you look at yourself. Touch your neighbor and say, stop looking at yourself. Stop looking at yourself. Stop looking at your account. Stop looking at your credit score. Stop looking at the doctor's report. Stop looking at your age. Stop looking at your biological clock. Look at God. Then there was two blind men. These two blind men, they was following Jesus. Pastor Edwin told us last week how was they following him. Because even though they couldn't see, they could hear. So they tracked his voice. That's a word for somebody. You may not be able to see what God has said yet, but can you track his voice? Can you hear him and follow? You may not see the house yet. You may not see the doctor's report yet. You may not see the promotion yet, but can you hear his voice enough to keep walking? No, no, no. Listen, I'm going to tell you, I don't always feel like preaching. I feel like preaching this morning. Because sometimes you just need to be encouraged in the Lord and know that you're not going down. You're not going to sink. You're not giving up. You're not caving in because you're going to fix your eyes on Jesus. The Bible says they're following Jesus. They're tracking his voice. There'll be some times in your walk with the Lord you can't see him. You don't know where the money going to come from. You don't know how we go heal the relationship. You don't know how we go heal. I just want to parenthetically insert a testimony. One of my good friends from law school, Demetria Edwards, has battled a rare form of cancer for eight years. Somebody say eight years. Say eight years. How many of you know that eight years is a long time to deal with anything? They brought her in from some testing in the month of November. They told her to expect the worst. But the other morning, she let us know that when they scanned her body this time, they couldn't find no cancer. I think you could praise God better than that for somebody that struggled for eight years. She taking chemo, but she looking at Jesus. She don't have strength in her body, but she looking at Jesus. She can't get out the bed, but she looking at Jesus. And no man comes to Jesus believing and doesn't receive. So she went to the doctor, and they scanned her body, and they couldn't find no cancer. So they scanned it again, and they couldn't find no cancer. So you know what they had to tell her? Complete remission. came to let you know that we have a God that's better than chemo. We got a God that's better than medicine. We got a God that's better than just managing anxiety. We got a God that's better than that. He is who he says he is and he does what he said he will do which means that you are who he says you are and you can do exactly what he told you to do. So 
praise. The Bible says that the two men was following Jesus and they couldn't see. And they said to Jesus, they said, Jesus, can you heal us? Jesus said, wrong question. The question ain't, can I heal you? The question is, can you believe? They say, yes, God, we believe. Jesus looked at them and said, then become what you believe. And the Bible says that instantly they open their eyes. A lot of times the process is simply you deciding that you actually are what he already said. People love to talk about trust the process. Why the world would we trust the process? We trust the God of the process. Over and over again in the Bible, you will see that somebody came to Jesus broken, barren, jacked up, whatever issues that they had. I want to just sit down, sit down, sit down. There was a woman at the well. She didn't get physical healing. She got soul healing. She was a broken woman. How do we know she was a broken woman? Because the Bible says that when Jesus asked her who her husband was, she said, I don't have one. And she, he said to her, he said, the man you, you've had five and the one you live with ain't yours. Nobody gets married five times and don't have some soul issues. Nobody has five boyfriends this year and don't have some soul issues. I, okay. Nobody jumps from relationship to relationship so they don't have to be by themselves and don't have soul issues. Nobody is looking to boo up with somebody who don't even work just so they don't have to sleep alone unless they got soul issues. So there is this woman who has a lot of soul issues and Jesus begins to minister to her and the Bible says that she went back to the town because what he did for her was so profound that, that she went back to preach to the people who used to judge her. See, when you get healed, you won't care what they say. You will tell them that the only reason you're still talking about my past is because you don't know him. But if you got to know him like I know him, he can get you free from your past and you wouldn't have to talk about my past. Because the only reason you're talking about my past is because you need to feel better about yourself. Because the only reason you're talking about my past is because you don't feel good about your present. No, it's the truth. I'm happy. You're not happy. So you got to point out a time when I wasn't happy. So that I can be like you. Well, she went back and said, listen, I know y'all don't like me. I know I messed with some of y'all men. But I met a man today that's going to fix all of that for us. And y'all should come. And meet this man. And then they met the man and Jesus stayed with them. And then they said, now we preach Jesus. Not because of what he did for you. But because he healed us too. I'm telling you something supernatural happens when you believe God. Yeah. We're not going to Ephesians 1. We're going to finish up in Romans. So there's, Abraham is in this place. And what Abraham does is that God tells Abraham, he says, you're going to have a kid. And he tells Abraham this when he's old. 
And Abraham is probably like a lot of us when God shows up to tell us something that we think should have happened earlier. We like, <laughs> what? So he says to him, he says, you're going to have a son. And then he, Abraham tries to help him. So then he has a son by somebody else. That's not what we're here to talk about. We're just here to talk about that God didn't take the promise away just because Abraham messed up. Now, Abraham wasn't even saved. He don't even live under a better covenant. But God doesn't take the promise away because Abraham messes up. God just reaffirms to Abraham what he said. You and Sarah go have a baby. They're old. But the Bible says in Romans, it tells you how Abraham got strong faith. Let's look at this and then we'll be done. It says, Abraham hoped against hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So there was something that was spoken to Abraham that then changed what he was hoping for. When we give you words from the Lord, those words are designed to change what you're expecting. So when Pastor Edwin says, it's your year of great victory, that is for you to just change and hope against hope for great victory, even if it looked like you're losing. And so it says that he hoped against hope. And then in verse 19, it says, and being not weak in faith. You should underline this part in your Bible. And being not weak in his faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what have he had promised he was able to perform. Look at what Abraham tells us. This will change your life. Abraham lets us know that the key to strong faith is not to look at yourself. It says that Abraham, God told Abraham he was going to have a son. It says, so Abraham stopped considering how old he was or how old Sarah was. And he only considered what God said. Ask your neighbor, what are you considering? If you want to have strong faith, you have to stop entertaining the stuff that didn't come from God about what he said. You've got to say, this is what God said. And because it's what God said, it's what I'm going to see. And I'm going to see it because I believe that God is big enough to do it, not that I have to be big enough to create it. Because many times when we get a promise from God, our intellect gets to working, and now we're going to produce what God said. Now we're going to make it happen. God said, hey, I'm going to get you a new car. I know that you're in a situation. Now you're out here looking. Now you like, but God, do you see they got zero interest right now? He like, not yet. But God, do you see they got zero interest right now? He like, not yet. But God, do you see that, you know, it just don't make no sense. I can't believe that God would really not want me to take advantage of this interest rate right here. And then you go out and get a car. Then you lose your job. Because God already knew that's what was going to happen, which is why he said, not yet. Now you're stressed out. The hardest thing in the world to do is hear God when you're stressed out. Because when you're stressed out, you just make up all kind of stuff. I mean, when you're stressed out, you make up all kind of stuff. It's a lot of people got married to the wrong people because they were stressed out about not having nobody. And they heard God tell them they were supposed to be with somebody. He ain't say it. 
When people get stressed out, when people get anxious, you can hear anything because you really just start listening to your soul. And your soul goes into the sense realm. This just makes sense. How could God restore this marriage? Why would God ask me to walk in, a, in love with somebody being this stupid acting towards me? Now, you believe in for restoration of your marriage, but you don't want to do the thing that God told you to do, get restored. That was free. All right. So, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith. And he gives us another tip here. He's giving glory to God. He's not doing this kind of praise that we do sometimes when we're trying to force God's hand. You know, I'm going to give an extra crazy praise today so God can see me, right? I'm going to run through here and knock the little stand over over there because I want God to see me today. I'm going to give an offering that God didn't tell me to give today. Because I want him to see that I'm so serious. You know, when you get serious about trying to please God, right? I'm trying to help you see the things that you do, right? Because you're considering yourself. So I just want you to think about these. These are some things to take over the next couple of days because we still believe in for great victory and supernatural things. We believe in for God-sized things. Amen. 2018, we still believe in for great victory. So I just want you to stop and think about this. When you look over the things that God has told you that he's going to do in your life and you start trying to figure out how you're going to do it, I want you to check yourself and say, that's not faith. Just stop. How am I going to do this? No, Lord, here's what I need to do. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Because God cares about every area of your life. He cares about your relationships. He cares about your mental health. He cares about your physical body. Do you know that God cares so much about you, he'll tell you which doctor to go to? He will tell you which doctor. Be, it'll be time for new PCPs or new insurance. You'll be scrolling. He'll be like, not them. Not them. Them. Because God cares about every area of your life. So as we get ready to go, I want you to think about, you know, we have sometimes we're like, do this as a prophetic act. So if you've got these things that you keep trying to figure out how to do, I want you to take out a sheet of paper. I want you to write it on the sheet of paper. And then I want you to, when you're ready to give it up, I want you to come and put it on the altar. I'm making an exchange today. Because God already knows what he's going to do. 